Welcome to Raw Nomadic Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Nine times out of ten, you can heal yourself. Let's go. First, I want to say hi to Gabe and Jebby back in Chicago. My boyfriend and my dog. Miss them. And oh man, Jebby is my daughter. <laughs> There's just no denying it. Every dog on this trip has benefited from me projecting all of my love for Jebby onto them. Actually, not just dogs. Dogs, frogs, cats, uh, donkeys, goats. Um, yeah, pretty much any. I think it's chipmunk today I talked to a little bit. Uh, yeah, so they're doing great though. And uh, I have some great news. Ruth Heydrich had emailed and said that she was worried she wasn't going to make it through her surgery. This was uh, her surgery to take out more encapsulated uh, debris from her breast implants from years and years ago. And uh, that was really, really concerning. When someone says they don't think they're going to make it through surgery as a former hypnotherapist, I really cringe because that's a loaded gun you're taking into surgery with you. It's a strong, strong organ, your brain, very powerful supercomputer there. And uh, to think you might not make it is uh, really a, a dangerous thought to have. So the great news is she did make it through surgery and it went really well. And so I'm not a religious person, but I asked everyone to pray for her. I prayed for her. I do pray. <laughs> you don't have to be a religious person to pray. I am so relieved that she's doing well and hopefully she's flying back to Hawaii in a couple days. She was so sweet to let me know as soon as she could that it went well. I was so grateful. Um, yeah, I'm just thrilled, thrilled, thrilled beyond words. So Ruth Heydrich is still with us and going strong. I mean, she's a force of nature. I should have known she'd do great. So where am I? I am in Rangeley, Maine. I've been a bunch of places since we talked last. Oh my gosh. So I left Tennessee. My cousins uh, went with me to North Carolina where we had a little mini family reunion. Saw some sights and and uh, then my cousin Carol went back to the airport in Asheville and back to flying. He's a commercial pilot and his wife, my uh, cousin Carol Ann, she um, stayed with me a little bit longer, uh, decided to go to Carl Sandberg's house where I had a crying meltdown. <laughs> so let's unpack that a little, shall we? <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but um, a week into my stay with them, by the way, I don't plan on staying anywhere very long. For this entire year it's not that I want to cram in as much as possible I'm just following the joy it's not about monuments it's not about uh, great vistas and pictures and it's not even about podcasting no offense I love you guys this is about following the joy it's about animals it's about nature friends family but I really didn't plan to stay anywhere for two weeks um, maybe Quebec because I tend to stay two weeks there because that's just what has been required because of COVID. I have to quarantine when I go up there. This time I won't have to. But basically, uh, after a week with them, I we were in Kentucky with some friends of theirs and I was just feeling um, very upset and sad. Mostly just sad. And I realized I had lost control of my trip. So I talked to them about it. I said, I, I love you guys. You've been amazing, but I really feel like I have lost complete control of my trip. I wanted to travel by myself, you know, and I was in the house that morning with like 10 other people. And 
was waiting for them all to get ready. I had been up since six. It was like 10 in the morning. I just had no control over anything at that point. I was just along for the ride, kind of being, you know, just a bystander and that's not an adventure. And maybe I'm a spoiled brat, but I fought for this. A lot of tears were shed for this experience. You know, I don't like to hurt people. I don't intentionally hurt people's feelings, but this wasn't easy for Gabe. It's not easy for my dog at all. And, you know, it wasn't easy for me to make the decision to put them through this. So I have strong feelings about it. And I don't like being controlled at all. <laughs> and uh, I just really felt like I was not in control of my adventure anymore and yet it went on another week um, he, my cousin went back to flying we're waiting for him to come back and Caroline she's always been a great um, cruise director she's always got all kinds of adventures in the wings what do you feel like doing well I couldn't say what I felt like doing I felt like being alone I felt like enjoying my solitude. That was what I had been doing. And, um, but that seems rude. And so I just, I just kept hanging in there and just kept telling myself it's only a few more days. But I didn't understand why they needed to go with me to North Carolina. I just wanted to hit the road alone. But I couldn't tell them that. And we all do this. I mean, I think most of us do this. We spare the feelings of others and then we suffer the consequences in silence and it's really not healthy. This trip isn't just about healing physically, it's healing spiritually, it's healing emotionally, it's healing thought patterns, it's healing scarcity uh, issues, you know? it's there's a lot of different healing going on here and this was something that I needed to address that um, you know there was a reason this was coming up in my life and I needed to speak up and they'd already said I wouldn't hurt their feelings yet nothing changed after we had the talk about losing control of my trip so I just kept hanging in there and um, I, yeah, I didn't need an escort to North Carolina but Caroline really really loves family like no one else I've ever known like not just family but family trees family history genealogy like she's phenomenal with this stuff and so it was really important to her that I meet as much of my family as possible in Asheville um, because I hadn't seen them since I was like 12 some of them I had never met so a little kind of uh, last-minute reunion mini reunion happened and it was nice to meet everyone and see people again I haven't seen since I was a kid um, we shut down the park they were literally <laughs> going around with a blowhorn like out everybody out of the park it's closing it's dusk and uh, we went camping and I have to say um, you know my cousins would not let me pay for anything not even a break job and mind you I only asked if they had a trustworthy mechanic they used in town. That's all I asked for. It was completely taken care of. And there was nothing I could say to stop them, which was really sweet and really generous, but at the same time, total loss of control there. Um, you know, good intentions, uh, very thoughtful, but the, the last night I camped with them, you know, they wouldn't even let me pay for my half of the camping. Um, I said, you two could overthrow a government, just the two of you. I have no doubt. Um, because, uh, you know, if they were talking to Hitler and he had plans to gas a bunch of people, they'd say, you know what, the botanical gardens, I've heard they're amazing. I'm going to pack a picnic and we'll go tomorrow. And Hitler would be like, well, okay, I, I do like flowers. A picnic sounds nice. <laughs> it's just, it happens that quickly, <laughs> that smoothly. They're good. <laughs> 
And again, they have good intentions and I love them. But it just really uh, wore me down to a nub by the time we got to Carl Sandburg's place. I really didn't want to be there. I just wanted to see the goats and hit the road. And the goats were just as, you know, it was this. I, I could have not seen the goats quite possibly. I know that's crazy, right? My first friend was a goat before my brother was born on the farm. Daisy. Anyway, I digress. So we happened upon this little um, stone building with quotes by Carl Sandburg and some things about his life. So we're heading up this path. It's a huge, huge property. I think it's over 200 acres. I want to say like 247 acres or something. And uh, it's all about solitude. Solitude this, solitude that. Writers need solitude. I need solitude to write. Yada, yada, yada. I feel this something bubbling to the surface. Um, and we keep walking then. And we walk up this little path and we come into like a fork. And I go to the right thinking that's where the goats are. And Carolyn says, oh, they're up the hill actually. And I just bent over, put my hands on my knees and started bawling. <laughs> she was like, we, we, we don't have to go up the hill. I said, it's not the hill. It's the solitude. I need solitude. I'm a writer. I don't know if that's what it is, but I can't be with people all day, every day. I'm just not wired for it. I need to be alone. I need to go. I need my trip back. I love you and you guys have been fantastic, but I really have to do this. And she understood immediately. Um, she says her daughter has had the same issues and her oldest son, that they need to be alone to recharge. And so that made me feel a little better. I told her I was sorry I was a weirdo and that I was crying, but I just needed to see the goats and go forward on my own. <laughs> So that's what we did. We went and saw the descendants of Carl Sandburg's wife's goats. And uh, by the way, just a little tidbit there. She was so good at breeding and raising these goats. People came from all over the place to like take classes from her. And many of them were completely unaware of the fact that her husband was a famous author. So um, I thought that was really interesting. And she was quite literary. Uh, you know, she... Um, had an excellent education in literature as well. So anyway, we come back down the hill. I didn't even go up to the house. I did not care about anything except getting back on the road by myself and having my freedom and solitude. If that makes me a jerk, so be it. I'm a jerk. It's what I needed. I And, and, and if anybody else needed that, I would not think they were a jerk. I would be behind them 110% because we are who we are. You need what you need and you've got to speak up. So I am not going to let that happen again. Um, and I don't stay any place too long. I really skip the cities if I can, which is so funny because as a kid, I was a tourist trap junkie. When we go on family vacations, oh God, I wanted to go to a wax museum in the worst way. And my dad was always taking us to the middle of nowhere to get away from it all. Never mind the fact that we lived in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and I didn't know what he was trying to get away from, but granted uh, a good portion of my childhood, my dad worked in a foundry as a welder before he was uh, a welding teacher and all of that. So. That may be what he was trying to get to, but um, now I totally get it. <laughs> I want to be out away from everything as well, so, so I'm sure he's having a good laugh. I have been, since then, I went straight to Virginia Beach. Well, no, I met with a friend, an acquaintance really, a brother of a guy I dated in my, I wasn't even 20 yet. I was just a kid. I was 19 when I moved to Chicago. and um, But someone who had a real impact on me because he was the first minimalist, minimalist I knew. He was um, um, also very nomadic. First nomad I knew, really. 
And uh, sadly, he passed away a couple of years ago, and I just thought it would be really good to connect with his brothers to see, um, you know, if I could learn anything more about him, which I did. Some things really make sense now. Um, why, you know, he liked certain things, and I just feel like I understand him a little better, and and um, so that was really great. Glad I did that. And it's so interesting, like all these years later. So I was 19, I'm 51 now, and here I am being nomadic and a minimalist again. I don't know, my car is pretty packed. I'm not exactly uh, even close to being a real minimalist again, but I'm headed in that direction for sure. From there, I went straight to Virginia Beach, like that same day. And I wanted to go to Edgar Casey's ARE, his Association for Research and Enlightenment. And it's the original hospital and then a museum and a gift shop and an incredible metaphysical library. Uh, just huge. And over 17,000 cases on file of his work, people that he read and treated telepathically. Um, he would be in trance when he would diagnose people all over the world. Really, uh, just an incredible human being. And if you haven't uh, read his story or learned about his story, there are some phenomenal, uh, phenomenal YouTube videos, um, documentaries actually on YouTube about his life. Highly recommend them. Every one of them that I've seen was very, very good. So I was so excited. It'd take me a long time to get there. I'm sitting in the parking lot and my cousin, the pilot, texts me to be careful who I follow. And I, make sure, I immediately picture a logging truck. But I'm like, why is he telling me this like now in the trip? I've already been out on the road for a while. I was a chauffeur for over 10 years. Like I know to be careful not to follow too closely to people logging trucks, whatever. And then uh, he said, you know my concerns. And I was like, no, I, I don't know your concerns. And then I was like, oh, he's talking about the ARE. And so I said, you know, I'm 51. I know what I'm doing. And then he said that I was in danger. And I just want to share this because... I know that there are other people out there going through this with family members, maybe friends, where you don't have the same beliefs spiritually. And he and I have been over and over and over this. And I just, organized religion is not for me personally. If it's for you, that's awesome, great. You do you, go for it. But you're not cramming it down my throat. And I made that clear and been very polite and understanding, more polite than that, but I just, I've reached my limit. And maybe that's something that just happens in your fifties, <laughs> but I'm not going to have my spiritual path disrespected time and again by the same person over and over. It's just not happening. And I basically told him this, that the lack of respect for my spiritual path repeatedly it's appalling let's just all respect each other's paths that's it it's non-negotiable that's it it's just it's very simple so the ARE was a really really special place for me to visit and I was angry. I told him I have never been angrier with you. I don't want to be angry at the ARE. Who wants to be angry at the ARE? It's like the last place you want to be angry. You don't want to be angry in a temple or, you know, a church or you just, well, you don't want to be angry anywhere. Let's face it. But it was just, gosh, the last place I wanted to be angry. It's always just having to push away these thoughts and push them away. And there's a beautiful meditation room at the ARE. And it has these enormous crystals. And so I meditated. And 
Then I went to the beach after I left there. It was right across the street from the beach. It was really trippy to be thinking, wow, I had my feet in the Pacific Ocean three weeks ago. And now I have my feet in the Atlantic Ocean. That was very cool. And it was an overcast day, but it was still somehow really beautiful. And then the next day I realized that my meditation was different. And meditation's been hard for me. Um, but for the past year, year and a half, yeah, well, I'm coming up on two years now. Wow. I didn't think of it had been that long, but just getting a lot more disciplined with, I have a long ways to go, but getting more disciplined with meditation. I try to do it twice a day and, um, I had been doing, um, uh, transcendental meditation and so I had a, a hear him chant and, I swapped that for an I love you chant because at the meditation center at the ARE, they had a little carved out thing on a ledge in front of me that said, I love you. And I thought, I'll just go with it. Kind of hard to ignore. So I did that. And, and I apologize if I've already told you guys this in traveling, I lose track of the days and what I've posted where. So be hearing this for a second time but anyway uh so I went ahead and did that chant again and and it's just a lot easier for me that meditation is a lot easier to get to that quiet place where all the chatter is gone and then I added thank you so thank you I love you thank you I love you on the inhale, on the exhale. And that's even better. <laughs> so that's been a super cool surprise. And I bought a bracelet the next day. Um, just, it just has, it's just uh, like has hearts on it that remind me like, so if I don't have that on, uh, it's on my gear shift. And that means I have to remember to meditate. If I have it on, I've already meditated. So I kind of switch it back and forth. So far it's working out great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been a really nice discovery. So from Virginia Beach, I went to Washington, D.C. to see my friend Doc, who has been living there close to her son since about the middle of the pandemic. Um, Doc has Alzheimer's and I used to take care of her in Chicago. And uh, she was just a great buddy, a great pal. And she doesn't recognize me now. Um, it's so funny, like, I knew her at a very different time in her life. Her friends would always tell me, like, she was a genius, she was brilliant. And it's like, I know, I can I can tell, you know. She still has these, these moments, you know, where she is a genius. Um, but now, you know, it's a lot different and um, it's just kind of amusing to me that I knew her. I only knew her when she had Alzheimer's and she became like such a great friend. We, we just had so much fun together. And now that she doesn't recognize me, um, we still had a good time. Um, I got there just in time to uh, go see a piano recital with her, um, this guy was incredible and Doc was a concert pianist from age 3 to 19 for her mother this is kind of interesting she loved the music you know as we're sitting there she's playing along her right hand is uh, playing along to the music it you know she loved it but it was her mother's dream not hers and her mother was very controlling and so at 19 she stopped playing piano and she never did it again and she became a psychoanalyst for over 60 years and worked well into her 80s and then retired when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's so um it was you know a bittersweet day it was so great to see her I only cried at the end um after you know I was out of sight and she was great. She was very happy. The music was great. And it was just really nice to connect again. Afterwards, I 
went to the um, Arlington National Cemetery was the plan, but it was the only thing I kind of wanted to see. I just really just wanted to get out of the city again and get out on the road. Um, it was closed, so I just drove past and that was good enough. Um, my aunt did ask me, you know, are you going to see all the traditional, you know, sites in DC? And I had already left there by then. I was like, nope. Um, and I had to explain, like, I'm, I'm not doing this trip probably the way anyone else would. No two people are going to do the trip the same way. But it's just not about the usual sites. Um, and I think I told her, <laughs> petting a, a spotted donkey in Chattanooga in the rain <laughs> meant more to me than any monument. Uh, still stands, and I've been through quite a few more states since then. So from there, I went to New York saw um, Jebby, my dog's foster mom, former foster mom, and her mom, and um, Cassie's new dog, Cowboy, who is a blur of a dog. Very, very, very sweet. Um, but wow, he's even stronger than Jessica, and uh, he's, he's a powerful little guy. He's a lowrider, and he's strong. And it was great to see them. And then I stayed in Cassie's apartment. She was moving to her new apartment. So she was there and I was in the old place and it was awesome. It was a super cool thing for her to offer. Worked out great. So I was in New York, 12 hours. I think I was in DC, maybe four hours. So that's what I'm talking about. It's just, um, and it works for me. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> I really love doing it this way. So, uh, yeah, I just continued up the coast, stayed in Stoneham, Massachusetts one night with my cousin Karen, who I hadn't seen in like, wow, it's been almost 20 years, 18 years maybe, um, just stayed up all night talking, it was a great kind of slumber party, so um, crashed on her couch and then took off early the next morning and uh, got up to Maine, uh, Portland, was where I met my cousin Chris and his wife Mercedes and we just hung out for a couple hours while Mercedes had a tattoo touched up. Chris and I walked along the, the pier and he showed me around town. It was very European looking. I was so surprised. It looked like Denmark and a lot of little, you know, villages in Ireland. It looked like Copenhagen a lot. So, um, Copenhagen, I always pronounce that wrong. Um, yeah, I love Portland and I think I'll go back. So I've headed further north. It's cooler up here. It's going to be uh, uh, a little chillier camping, but I have faith it'll be cozy tonight. Anyway, I'm figuring all of that out as I go as well. And uh, I just still feel right following the joy. So I'm reading a great book uh, that I happened to find on the road. It's called Solo by, uh, let's see, what's her name? Susan Rogers Fox. And it's a compilation of stories about women's solo adventures, all different kinds. Highly recommend it. It's excellent. I'm also taking a course right now in day trading and swing trading by Terry Egioma. If you haven't, um, looked her up do she is fascinating and just such a phenomenal human being i just love that woman and man she's a great teacher such a great teacher in fact she won teachables uh, like teacher of the year um so like all these video courses hers was number one and she never set out to be a teacher um, or to have a course or anything like that. She just wanted to trade stocks and travel. But people kept asking her how she was doing the traveling and one thing led to another, one class, two students, then 30 students, then 6,000 students. And it works. It's really a great course. So highly recommend that. Um, yeah, Google her, read about her. Um, actually, Spotify has 10 great interviews 
all different podcasts uh, she's been interviewed on and I put those on a playlist and just listened to them over and over and over while I was driving. Terry's been with me all over this country, uh, unbeknownst to her. Um, yeah, when I couldn't get the fire started, Terry was there. <laughs> when I lost the stuff out of the rooftop carrier, Terry was there. Uh, yeah, so she's been my travel buddy in a way. And, uh, they're just fantastic interviews. So check those out if you, if you have time. Uh, I never thought that I would be interested in day trading or swing trading. I, I've had an aversion to numbers my whole life, but I, I healed that, um, during the pandemic and taking all of those math classes to finish up school, uh, I no longer have an aversion to numbers and I'm actually having a lot of fun with this course. It's so interesting to learn how to predict to some degree what the market's going to do. So lots of fun. Just, I never thought that I would be interested in that, but man, I really am. Ah, I used up my roaming today. That's never happened before. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? It means I'm now Amish. I'm able to record a podcast here, uh, but I'm going to have to find Wi-Fi uh, to do a lot of things or contact uh, T-Mobile and see, like, what what do I need to do? Like, tell me what I need to, you know, obviously it's going to be probably just send them some more money and I'll get some more roaming. I just think it's funny that I've been out of the country and, you know, I don't know, several times with them, but... Uh, I've never used it in my roaming, so that was uh, an experience. And learning what that affects, apparently it even affects my GPS. So there you go, live and learn. Oh, this was kind of interesting. So bees, yesterday, day before yesterday, I stopped at a rest stop and I was at Subway and there was a girl working by herself who was allergic to bees and there was an exterminator on site and bees were coming in the door every time customers opened it and so there I was able to pick up bees five bees one at a time in a napkin put them outside but meanwhile she's behind the counter and they're swarming around her you can see them someone she said had already been stung and she was allergic and she had no EpiPen with her and she was upset when I first spoke with her uh you know hey how are you doing and she was just kind of like throwing my ingredients like tossing them I was like how is your day going and she was like girl I'm allergic to bees and I don't know my EpiPen and, da -da 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 -da. And, and I just felt so bad for her and I didn't feel like I should leave there without doing something I have way too much empathy for my own good I know that but it just seemed wrong so I called the non-emergency police number. They said they couldn't dispatch anyone because it's not an emergency. They said she would have to be having a medical emergency for them to send someone. And then an EpiPen is a prescription. And I knew all that of the 911 dispatcher, but it just seems so reckless. There had to be something I could do. I sent an email to their corporate office. Um, I messaged the non-emergency police number just so they understood like exactly what was going on. I was just shocked that she was under that kind of stress and that no one was, her manager wasn't coming to relieve her. She was really worried about her kids. She had two little kids at home and she obviously wasn't going to lose that money from that shift. Probably even if her manager did show up. And after like kind of micromanaging for a bit, I realized like that's probably not even supposed to be my role here. I'm seeing this for a reason, but it's probably not to micromanage the situation. I think hardly ever, I just don't think it is. It's, it's never, no. I just talked to her a little more and she was just really grateful that someone was listening. I did tell a few customers when they started to tease her about being afraid of the bees um, or complain that she was in the back because that was the only thing she could do when the bees got bad. Her boss said to go to the back. People were complaining there was no one to wait on them. You know, I said, hey, she's allergic to bees. She doesn't have her EpiPen. 
and she literally thought she would die. She told another uh, person working there because they were like, a Dunkin' Donuts was right next to her with like no divider or anything. It was a really small building. Um, she said to him, like, if I get stung, I'm dead. And whether or not that's true or not, to her, it's true. So she's thinking about her kids. She's thinking she might die. And yet she's making sandwiches for people, waiting on customer after customer. It just was like crazy. The worst part was seeing her teased. Uh, because it's just, there's no excuse for that. It's just ridiculous. So I realized, okay, she's she really just needed somebody to vent to. I think having some distance now, that's really all she wanted. She wasn't going to leave there. She needed the money. She isn't at a place where she feels like she could walk away from that job because it's you know, their expectations there are unrealistic and inappropriate. That's her decision, you know, (laughs) it's not up to me. So I left and on the way to my car, a highway patrolman was walking up. And so I told him what was going on and figured, you know what, it's, I've done everything I can do. So, but it was, it was emotional, you know, um, hard to see people go through, um, really stressful situations like that where they feel like they don't have control and uh, that it's so scary for them so that was uh, something I didn't expect to encounter Um, I I think that a lot of things come up you know in all of our travels that we're supposed to face and transcend hopefully learn from and I hope that keeps happening you know I want to grow as much as possible Um, and so while that was difficult to watch um, I'm glad it happened and I'm glad I could be of some kind of help even if it was just to listen and probably that is what we're supposed to do more often than not is just listen So that's what I got out of it. And I've probably talked about that way too long. I think I'm going to uh, go take a few more pictures and head to another town and set up camp in a forest um, near there. Well, I'm surrounded by forest. If you want to go camping, Maine is the place so beautiful here like I just can't get over what a gorgeous place Maine is so I had been told that but yeah I had to see it for myself I guess so Uncle Stevie's up here apparently he is um, Stephen King is seen more often um, in places small towns Full of people that don't really care for him and are praying for his soul <laughs> than he is anywhere near his home <laughs> which uh is really funny because that's a smart guy i'm sure nobody's bothering him for selfies at the grocery store if he's in uh, a town full of people that don't really care for him <laughs> and are praying for him so that's fun and I'm just going to stay here for a month and explore. I don't have to see anyone for a month. And not that I don't like seeing people, but I just have a month of total freedom to explore and study and write and whatever I want to do. So I can take it as slow as I want and just soak up all the nature. It's going to get cold here. (laughs) I'm well aware of that gonna get cold so getting ready for that and uh, I am by the way just 12 states shy of 50 I made a list today and that was a surprise and in February I'm going to Hawaii I don't know if I mentioned that before but I was really hoping that I could anchor that that half of the trip I, I go home to Chicago in December but then I have another you know, whole West Coast uh, portion of this go Route 66 
down to Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, Phoenix, and up the West Coast. And I just always in the back of my mind thought it'd be so cool to kind of secure that whole part of the trip with uh, a trip to Hawaii to meet Ruth Heydrich and see my friend Donna. And then this incredible deal came up through Southwest, like unbelievably cheap. And I just had to, like, how could I pass that up? There it was. That was my wish. I got my wish came true. It's happening all the time. So, so I have that state that I'll get to check off as well. Um, but then, yeah, up the coast again. And uh, then I'll be going to um, Washington and Oregon. And then I thought it'd be fun to hit all of the states we used to go to when I was a kid on vacation. So the Dakotas and Montana and Wyoming and Colorado. And, and just see, like, if it's still, you know, looks kind of the same and what's changed and just visit some of my favorite stuff out there like Old Trail Town and Medicine Wheel and Yellowstone and all of that so yeah psyched and I'm just really grateful I'm really grateful that I get to do all of this and that I just followed my heart like I say it wasn't easy I had to shed some tears and you know it's uh, it's worth fighting for and I'm just so lucky that I get to do this so to recap nine times out of ten you can heal yourself I hope I'm not forgetting anything talked about quite a bit probably way too much I know some of you out there are probably like where are the interviews you said there would be interviews it's mostly just you yammering on and on I know I know I know <laughs> there will be interviews uh, I did attempt to get um, a few they just it didn't pan out so I guess I'm just supposed to be doing this for right now and uh, I am grateful for you guys there are more listeners all the time. I can't believe I have listeners in Ireland and Belgium and China and South America. It's uh, so funny to me, like so surprising that it's not just like three of us sitting here. <laughs> uh, let's talk about raw. It is called raw nomadic lens, right? Look how I almost got off the hook there. I almost skipped right over that. Let's talk about that. Because I, I want to be transparent here. It's not called everything you want to eat. <laughs> Nomadic lens. It really doesn't have any ring to it at all. It's raw nomadic lens. And I've been on a bender for a week. I, I had a really tough time uh, once I was back on the road by myself and leaving Asheville, North Carolina to go to Virginia Beach. I, I, you know, I just felt a huge relief that I was doing things the way I wanted to be doing them. I was back on the road, but I still had all of this. I don't know, like pent up anxiety over the whole experience. And, um, and then when I got to the ARE, feeling upset about my husband, uh, my husband, whoa, paging Dr. Freud, my husband, my cousin, he is an older cousin. Um, wow. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Holy crap. Do you think husbands have tried to control me? <laughs> that would be a yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. So yeah, my cousin trying to control me and telling me I'm in danger 
when I have just arrived at a place that is really special to me that I have wanted to see for at least 20 years. Uh, yes, my husband was not going to control me anymore. And I was so angry about it. I just, I ate terrible things that day and then the next day and the next day and it went on a week it's been going on a week and I'm really sorry to disappoint you I'm I'm sorry I wish that I could say for so many reasons not just for you guys but for myself too that I had not broken raw you know it had, I had been slipping and slipping the more I lost control of my trip after probably it was right about at the week mark in Chattanooga like it was time for me to be moving on and uh, instead I was still staying with them and my eating was getting sloppy and I was allowing little things to sneak in and, and then one day uh, my cousin's wife wanted to go to tea this tea house and I just threw in the towel I was like I'm just gonna eat whatever I want today and it was delicious and I, we had a great time and I was a lot more fun um, And I don't think I have to be eating junk to be fun. I just think it was just kind of, you know, just the freedom of it. Um, but I have to remember that raw is really the freedom. It's the freedom from addiction for me personally. It's the freedom from worrying about my weight and, you know, Alzheimer's and cancer and heart disease and diabetes and all of that. Raw is freedom for me. I just get it switched around sometimes. It's, you know, it's an old habit to think eating whatever we want for a day is freedom. And then, you know, it turned into more than a day. It turned into a week. And do I feel better because I'm doing that? Um, no way. My joints hurt. Um, I feel bloated, heavy, tired. I want my energy back. Um, yeah. No bueno. So while I am very happy, uh, I could be happier, and I know that for a fact, and it just has so much more to it than happiness, there's just a lot of pieces uh, to that, so whether or not you understand, it's, it's okay. Nightbird says we're all a little lost sometimes and it's all right we are gonna keep moving forward <laughs> and I'm learning I'm learning that when I get upset I eat about it and now that my meditation is um, improving to try meditating about it and that's really a huge challenge but I'm up for it things have to change you know these are the big challenges that I want to grow through this is the biggest challenge so if you're gonna keep listening cool if you're like, oh my God, she broke raw again. This woman is a mess. I'm not wasting my time here anymore. That's fine too. <laughs> I get it. I think of this woman, Cookie, <laughs> who was raw vegan. Um, she had a YouTube channel. I think she probably still does. She wanted to be an adventurist and like walk around Iceland and all kinds of exotic places and she was very heavy when she started her YouTube channel and uh, she fell off a lot and I just loved her channel. I loved listening to her. She was British and um, she was just a sweetheart and it was very interesting to see her journey. But so many people just ripped into her every time she would break raw and um, I felt really bad for her and she, finally she just gave up on the whole raw thing. I'd like to think she went back to it eventually and it had, you know, that whatever people were saying didn't have an impact anymore because it wasn't their journey anyway. 
and it was kind of her to even share her journey in the first place but um, and maybe it, she just decided it was too hard or it just wasn't for her and that's fine too but um, for me it doesn't matter <laughs> Not that I get a lot of comments anyway. I don't think I've, I, I don't remember reading one. So if you've been trying to reach me and you haven't, I'm sorry, I'm not getting the messages. <laughs> I think I would if you did though. I, I think it would find its way to me. So, um, but it's not gonna stop me. So you can say whatever you need to say. I'm, I'm always gonna go back to raw. So hopefully I just, I'm not off and on as much and I'm able to just be. That's the way I want to be. Not giving up. And if you're trying to be wrong, if you're being wrong, don't give up. You're still moving in the right direction. Sometimes I tell Kara, when she would slip up, which she doesn't have that luxury anymore because of her illness. You're still swimming towards the island, you know? You're still out there in the water. You didn't go back to shore. So, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving me this bit of your time. Thanks for understanding. Thanks for being you. And thanks for thanks for trying new things. Let's all just keep growing. All right. Carpe diem.